Uh, this is episode 33 of An Untold Narrative, uh, featuring Devana Stimson, who I know nothing about because we met on Clubhouse, and then we stayed connected, <laughs> and I loved her energy that she brought, and then I checked out her IG page, and it was super colorful and uh, positive and just good messaging, and so I figured I'd reach out to have her on the pod, and... Uh, Devon, I don't know if you, you can give yourself a, what, what's like your 30, 30 second elevator pitch about yourself? Uh, this is something I'm always like navigating and working out, but basically I'm an artist. I'm a muralist. I'm the co-founder of a branding boutique called Strive and Grind. I'm also the podcast host of another podcast called the Gangstar Creative Podcast, which is tailored towards creatives as well. Um, and I'm currently based in Houston, Texas, and I specialize mostly in a portraiture um, and figure portraits, mostly female muses. I paint with a lot of different colors, uh, a little bit of abstract, and yeah, it's a little bit about me. That that covers a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like a lot uh, put into one nutshell, you know? I think that's probably why I think we're gonna get along really well, because I'm pretty much the same way. Like I can never stick to like one thing and I gotta do like a number of different things, but, uh, <laughs> and you have some of your, your amazing art. So for our listeners on Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening to podcasts, check out the YouTube so you can see some of her work behind it right now. Um, but let's start with, you, you mentioned you're in Houston, Texas. I, I know mm -hmm. that you mentioned to me offline that you just moved, but where are you originally yes. from? Like, where were you, where'd you grow up? Did you, you know, always have an art inclination growing up? Are your parents creative? That's like 15 questions for you all at once. I got you. I think I can answer all of them and more. <laughs> um, so I'm actually originally from Virginia Beach, Virginia. So I'm from the East Coast. Um, I've kind of lived a little bit all over the place. I lived in Pittsburgh, Boston, um, but I just moved from San Diego. So I lived in San Diego for about six years before moving now to Houston, Texas, which I'm super excited about. Um, I basically, but pretty much grew up in Virginia on the East Coast as far as creativity goes. Like I've always been creative since I was little, but I never like was into the fine art side of things. Um, it's not like my parents were creative by any means, or at least like they haven't discovered that talent yet. So I don't know where I get my creative uh, talent from. Um, but like, I basically had my background mostly in a graphic design background. So when I was in the fourth grade, my cousin showed me how to like code and stuff and create like websites. And so in the in fourth, fourth grade, grade, I created, yeah, in fourth grade, so I was like nine, I guess. And I created my first website. Yeah. So I was like learning HTML and all that stuff. Um, and that really like sparked the love of um, graphic design for me. And from then on, like I basically taught myself how to do graphic design, web design, even though I didn't know that's what that was called at the time. I just liked creating something and I liked computers and stuff. I mean, my dad was kind of like a tech IT nerd. So he always like taught me stuff with computers. So I was really tech savvy from a really young age. Um, and so I was like creating custom um, Xanga sites. I don't know if you're familiar with Xanga from back in the day. It was a little bit before MySpace. Um, but I used to create custom like banners and stuff for that. And I would like find other uh, people's Xanga sites and reverse engineer their like layouts. And that's how I kind of learned HTML and a little bit of coding. I would just look at the, the source code and kind of find what I was looking for. And that's how I learned how to do it. I mean, I don't even think I, Google was really popping at the time. So I don't yeah, even what, know how I. <laughs> for, a, for a time frame perspective, like what year years was this? Um, time frame perspective it was like 2000 to 2005. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like five year span. And so, yeah, I ended pretty up much like still in like the, the growing up phases of the internet. Yes, basically, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me sound really old. <laughs> well, no, because like, I mean, you think about the, like the, the internet really hasn't even been around for that long. It's what, 25 years, years. It's not really not that long. Um, and back in the early 2000s, like, to your point, like MySpace was a thing when I was in high school in, you know, 2005. Um, so, you know, but that was like at its infancy, really, um, of like yeah. social media and things like that. So that's crazy that you like adapted yourself at, 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 a, at such a young age um, to like learn these skills that now you still probably use. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I didn't even have Photoshop back then. I used um, Paint Shop Pro, so it was kind of similar to Photoshop, but it was like cheaper. And that's what I saw other people were using. And I remember begging my dad to buy me the software. And of course he did. And I would absolutely have fun with it. And 
Um, I, when MySpace came out, I started creating like custom layouts for MySpace. So my MySpace always looked different from everybody else's. Um, and that eventually led people asking me to create MySpace layouts for them. So it's kind of like how my freelancing journey started out without and me. Being um, I think I charged for like a couple, but most of it I just kind of like did because I like doing it. Um, and nobody really told me, like my parents aren't like entrepreneurial, so I, they didn't really think to tell me, you know, to do it. I didn't have anybody entrepreneurial in my life to tell me like, oh, you should charge for this. So it was just kind of like, sure. Um, but I used to also do like custom like painted t-shirts and stuff, which I charged for some of those. So I kind of did like little creative things. You've really um, always been an entrepreneur. I, I guess so. I mean, I, I, when I was younger, I used to do like lemonade stands and sell brownies on the corner of the street, you know, like a lot of yeah. So you, you grew back up stories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was always just like, I had ideas and I like to go after them and I wasn't really um, too afraid to put myself out there, I guess, so to speak. And, you know, people used to like know me as the girl with the, they would say like, hey, you're the girl with the dope MySpace. Like, I didn't even know who they were. Like I'd just be in the mall with my friends, you know, like hanging out like teenagers did. And then like random people would say that to me and like, oh, this is pretty cool. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's early. <laughs> yeah, that's really early. Um, and I ended up like doing a, um, it's like a vocational program. So my junior and senior year of high school, I attended like a community college for half the day. It was like a program they had with the public school system and I was in this digital art class. And so that's where I got to learn how to use like an Apple computer and all the Adobe suite and just what more um, of what graphic design and web design is and like the, the career of it, so to speak. So that's kind of like really where I learned a lot. And my teacher, he was like my mentor and he helped me get like an internship there at that program working at the college or the community college and so that's kind of like where I kind of learned most of the stuff so I was really self-taught and of course I went to college for it but when I got to college I didn't really like learn anything new um, and the the graphic design program wasn't that great there and long story short one of my friends who was like in the graphic design program we were like battling, like it was like registration time. We were like battling for the last spot in this like graph design class that we both needed. And if you didn't get in, or if I didn't get in, I would have had to waited like a year or two um, to actually get into the program. And I was like, can I curse on your podcast? <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fuck. I was like, fuck that. I'm not, um, I'm not going to be in college for an extra like year or two. Like I wanted to get out of college like three to four years. And so I was like, well, she got the spot. She beat me. And I was just, I just remember being so pissed because I was like, I'm the one that like has always wanted this, you know, like this is who I am. And she was just like, didn't really care as much about it as I did. And I just remember being so bummed, but I also knew that like things happened. Wait, you didn't get reason. it. I did not get that spot. Oh. Like we were literally in the classroom. Like we had our laptops out or we looked at the clock and then we tried to get oh, it and she Jesus. beat me to it. But it was like a blessing in disguise because like I said, I was like, I'm not staying in college long and I need to. Um, I even did like summer classes and stuff so I could speed up the, the process. So I ended up switching from graphic design to um, drawing and design, which forced me to take more fine art classes, like painting classes, drawing classes, screen printing, sculpture, all of that, which is really cool. Um, and then that's where I like fell in love with painting, taking in the painting class and realizing like, oh, this is cool. Like I always looked at fine art and said like, oh, you know, like I love street art. I love this. Like, I think I could do that possibly, but it wasn't something that I really wanted to do. Cause I was just like, craft design's my thing. Like that's what I'm about. Um, and then like, I was like, ah, oh, I actually hate graphic design. Like I hate working with like clients and I hate doing that kind of work. And I love the creative freedom that painting allows me to have. And so that's kind of like where I decided to focus more on that um, and kind of put graphic design on the back burner. So you have a degree in drawing and illustration? Drawing and design. So it's a bachelor's degree in fine arts with a concentration in drawing and design. Gotcha. Okay. That's that. I mean, that's a complete shift after doing graphic design and computer generated design, essentially. Uh, yeah. For most of your youth. And so when, uh, what year did you graduate college? And then what was your first job out of college? Yeah, so I graduated in December 2012. Okay. Um, and my first job out of college was not in graphic design. And it was actually struggling to find like good graphic design positions because a lot of the graphic design things that I was finding either um, I was like too qualified or like 
it was just hard to get into. Um, and basically my husband, uh, we had got married right before he's my high school sweetheart. So we've been together for like 15 years this year. So oh my God. we went to college together. We graduated college together. Um, we went to several high schools, but anyways, he actually landed a really good program with a fortune 200 company, which is why like I lived in Pittsburgh and Boston. So it was like a, one, a two year rotation, one year in Pittsburgh, one year in Boston. And so I ended up having to go to Boston or Pittsburgh with him literally three months after we graduated. So it was kind of like, okay, now I got to find a job specifically, you know, in, in Pittsburgh. In a new city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was waiting tables, you know, like most people were in college and I waited tables for seven years of my life. Um, and so I ended up just having to stick to just waiting tables um, when I lived in Pittsburgh. I did freelance uh, graph design. So I was always like still doing some side stuff. Um, but also me and my husband, we had, that was when we had originally founded our, what is now branding company called Strive and Grind. But at the time it was like a lifestyle brand. And we were like, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, and like really getting inspired about things that weren't being taught to the millennial generation. And so we created like a blog. That's where it started out essentially. And we ended up kind of like building that, um, as I was working part-time as a waitress and as he was working in corporate America. Do you still have that blog? And when you say that it turned into like a lifestyle brand, like were you making clothing or like, what were you doing with it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's that company has been such a journey. So it was just like, <laughs> it was a blog where we talked about like creativity, you know, any, if you, like, if you wanted to be a, a skateboarder, a doctor, a lawyer, an artist, whatever, like if you strive and grinded, um, like you were a strive and grinder, it stands for strive to achieve greatness and grind to get there. And so we were like publishing articles. We even had like guest writers come on and share. Um, I did like a 30 day squat challenge post on there for like our fitness category. And it like went viral and we, like we got to a point where we got like 30,000 impressions or views a month um, visitors on our website, on which was blog. really crazy. Yeah, on a blog. That's um, wild. We, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't, it's crazy. We didn't know that much about business or about monetizing a blog or things like that. So now like looking back, like we would totally do things differently. But yeah, so like we were building that up. We like started a college chapter um, for Strive and Grind. We were throwing events. Um, we had sponsored athletes and brand ambassadors and we had like a clothing line <laughs> we what, had all these like what cool, was like cool the things. core thing you like offered services for that's a very good question so it wasn't really offering services it was more just like a lifestyle brand like we had the clothing line we wanted was to be part of the yeah it was like a movement it was more so like a movement that's how we identified it and like people wore our gear they took pictures like we did photo shoots like i said we did all of that but we weren't making any money <laughs> we had something really cool but we weren't making any money um and that's so you were a non-profit basically, basically <laughs> a not for profit <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, we made like very, very little money with the clothing line, you know, and to anybody that's listening, I know a lot of creatives want to do clothing and it's really one of the hardest businesses you could start. And let me, by all means, don't let me destroy your dream, but like it is hard and it's very- Especially expensive. like the, the screen printing <laughs> side or like the hoodie game. Yeah. There's so many options out there. Yeah. And we literally like put like inventory on our credit card. So we held inventory in our apartment and like literally before we moved here to Houston, uh, which was the beginning of this year, like we still had inventory like in our closet that we would give to some of our now branding clients. But I ended up just like posting on Facebook, like, hey, we still have some gear if anybody wants some, like sold like $300 of it pretty quickly. And then just kind of donated the rest to a shelter. Like literally we had this clothing since like 2013, 14. Mm -hmm. And it, we've had like a bunch of inventory on hand since then. So thousands and thousands of dollars uh, worth of apparel. <laughs> and that and that business of, of your and your husband's, that still exists. Yes. So but that does but still exist. Today. It's, yes, it's profitable <laughs> today. <laughs> I mean, we had a pivot. So it was kind of like, um, we always like wanted to come to California. I mean, anybody who's on the East Coast, I'm sure like California is always like a dream to everybody. You think of palm trees or whatever. And a lot of the people that we got inspired by, like that we listened to on podcasts and stuff, lived in San Diego. Um, and we knew that there was a lot of millennial like online business owners like killing it in San Diego. And so we were like, man, that's like where we need to be. Well, his company ends up buying out a company that's in Carlsbad, California, which is in San Diego. And so he was like already networking with like the top VPs and stuff uh, through his program. So he was like, well, what if I can, you know, 
get them to move us to California. And so basically he made that happen. He like talked to some people and then they were like, yeah, we can get you in the, you know, the IT department out there uh, at the Carlsbad location. So instead of spending a year in Boston, uh, we ended up leaving six months in and moving to California. And it was just like, we just felt like it was a sign. It was a dream come true for us. It's like, we never had been to California, but we knew we always wanted to go. We knew this is like how we were going to grow our business. Um, and basically it was kind of like a sign because when we did move there, we saw like a Facebook ad for this entrepreneurial event and the guy that we like listened to a lot on podcasts, um, he was actually speaking at this event and I was like, oh, this has to be a sign. Uh, John Lee Dumas for Entrepreneur on Fire. He used to be like one of the top, well, he still is a top podcast, but he was like, he's like an OG podcaster. You should check it out. Um, he interviews like all different like types of entrepreneurs and stuff. Me and my husband actually eventually got interviewed on his podcast, which was really oh, cool. sick. Yeah. Um, and it was just cool. So we saw that we saw you speaking at the conference. We were like, we gotta go to this conference. And it was like a $47 refundable ticket. You know, and we were like, Oh, that's like so much money, but it's refundable. So if we don't like it, like we can get our money back. And then $47? literally $47. That's not a lot. I know, <laughs> but for us, not making any money and just oh, like, okay, 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 not okay. in that mindset yet, like fully in that mindset, like kind that, of To me, that just describes your mindset of like, we can't even lose $47 if we don't mm -hmm. get that much value out of it. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's the strive and grind mentality is like, mm -hmm. we're not gonna waste any dollar. <laughs> yeah, because we already wasted so much money on the clothing line. Um, <laughs> I know that so, yeah so we go to this conference and like we're like crossed our arms and we're like man they're probably gonna try to sell us something literally by day two we're like whispering in each other's ears and by day three of course they sold something and it was a um dollars mastermind and business coaching program for a whole year and we bought into it and it was literally the the turning point for us um so we basically did that investment which we didn't have we put it all on credit cards we were just like all right we're gonna go on like this was a sign like we have no plan b like we have to make this work we literally have to start making three thousand dollars a month um at least to like pay off the the program because that's how much it costs a month it was how much program 36k total oh my so god a month. yes um which is typical in the business coaching mastermind world Okay, um, I, I, I had no idea. That sounds like an astronomical amount. It is. If it's, <laughs> if it's, it is when you're not in that world. Um, but it, it's actually... A, so folks are aware, we just went from $47 to $36. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we was tripping about 47 and dropped um, at least 3 k that day. Uh, but, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, um, so it was definitely a big leap. But like I said, we just knew it was worth it. Um, and we learned about like good debt versus bad debt at the event. And that was like a really big eye opener for us. And like I said, if we, we came to California to like make it. And so we put all, all, all like our big foot forward. Um, and like I said, we put on credit cards. We knew we had like three months to at least try to like get to 3K a month. And so when we met with our business coach, he was just like, man, you guys have something cool going on, but like, it's kind of hard to tell what you guys do, but you guys are really good at creating websites and brands. So you should do branding and you should brand other entrepreneurs. And we were like, uh, okay. <laughs> and that's how Strive and Grime became a now branding company that it is today. And it was really crazy at the time because for me, like I said, like I fell in love with painting. And I started to really like hate graphic design. And like, even when I was in Boston, it was really hard for me to balance like painting and like trying to build strive and grind. And I kind of got in this really depressed state. Um, I mean, you live in Massachusetts, so I don't know how you live there, but I really hated it there. And it was really depressing because it's always cloudy and murky and so cold. We, we and just got out of February and it was one of the hardest months I've, I think I've ever lived in 29 years. Like it was, it was, oh. it was a very low month for myself, like just creative wise, just motivation wise, just, you know, everything going on in the world. And it was just as soon as March hit and this, the, like we hit, we got a 60 degree day at the beginning of March. And it's like, oh, <laughs> Hallelujah. the leprechauns came out or something. It's like, oh, I, man. I like the four seasons. I like the change because it keeps you on your toes. 
like California is a little different because like you get the polar opposite is like you get yeah sun all the time yeah I I mean it gets cold and gloomy there sometimes but not anything compared to the northeast (laughs) but yeah no I I feel you on the on the on the tough months of especially being creative yeah and you know when he said to do the branding company I was like oh that means I have to go back to doing and focusing graph design but in the moment, that last day at the event, when we decided to pull the trigger on this investment, I told him, I was just like, I told my husband, and I was just like, okay, I'm turning my switch on. I'm going all in on Strive and Grind. I'm going to put my painting and put everything on the back burner because this is what's going to take us to where we want to be the fastest as far as, you know, financial freedom and just freedom in general. And so I was like, all right, just do whatever it takes. And so we did that. Like we literally hustled, like we strive and grind. Like that was like how we lived. Um, you know, didn't sleep a lot. Um, it wasn't in the best health and mindset wise, but we hustled and we built the branding company. And it was cool because, um, for those of you listening, a mastermind is typically, um, you can, anybody can start a mastermind. The idea of it is was started by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. He wrote that book. It's a very famous book for a lot of um, entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. in the success book world. And so it's basically like two or three people come together that want to, have like a like-minded goal and they want to succeed and achieve that and you kind of hold each other accountable it's like what a mastermind is in a nutshell and there are tons of masterminds out there that you can form or that are like free but we found that the value in investing in a mastermind thirty six thousand dollars to be specific is that yes it's a lot of money but it's just kind of like you're investing in like a college education and you're investing in a group of people that also paid this thirty six thousand dollars so everybody is kind of at this next tier level you know, of entrepreneurship. Everybody has money. Everybody is like willing to learn and put their best foot forward. And so a lot of our first branding clients came from this mastermind. So that was kind of like how we were able to kind of start and build our business. Um, So we were like started to brand some of the people in our mastermind. And like we continuously went to conferences and stuff. Um, We ended up joining a another mastermind from a a speaker that was at the first conference that we thought was really cool and that was a twenty thousand dollar mastermind and that helped us catapult our business even more um, because he had a different level of people in that group which was pretty freaking awesome so a lot of our it's just risk risk and reward right it's like yes you guys put your necks on the line and now you get to you know have a little bit of financial freedom to your point it's like you can't people can't expect opportunities if you don't put yourself out there. That's like the most important thing. Like that's the beautiful part of the internet. If you don't put anything out there, how are people going to present you opportunities? Exactly. I mean, putting yourself out there and doing the work. Cause mind you, yes, there was like 90 of us that bought into this program, the 36 K one, but me and my husband and maybe like six other people in that group were like the, the top performers, you know, and like a lot of the other people, like people were dropping out you know, oh, yeah. people weren't like succeeding. Yeah. So it also is a testament too to like what you're like the what work you're willing to um, put in. And even for us, it wasn't like all easy. Like in the beginning, like I think when we got to that third month, we were making some money, but we weren't quite making that consistent 3k a month minimum that we needed. Um, and like it was Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah, it was around Thanksgiving time. I just remember like the 3k got taken out of our personal account and that was like our money to pay for like bills and rent was due the next day and this was thanksgiving time and we were like freaking out and we were like oh like what are we gonna do and like my husband had to call like our business coach and like work something out and obviously like we got our money back and got to kind of work something out with him but we just remember from that moment like we can never let this happen again we can never have our backs against the wall like this again and that really like drove us to like work even harder and like think a little bit smarter on how we could make more money. Um, Because at the time we were just thinking like only working online, but what became our bread and bread, our our bread and butter was really just kind of like the organic growth of it and really like talking to people and meeting and people in person. And that's how we were able to get like those conversations and sales conversations going. Um, And that kind of like helped build our business. So yeah, that's kind of like the backstory of um, Strive and Grind and how it got to where it is today. And eventually um, we made our, well, we made the goal. Um, we moved to, to California that March. We had made a goal to quit our jobs a year from moving. And literally 
a year from moving, so March 15th, we, or 2015, we moved to California. March 2016th, we both put our two weeks in for our day jobs. Wow. Um, and quit our day jobs. And it was pretty awesome. Um, and it's not like, it was still, we, we were all risk takers. Like we only had 8K in the bank account for two people to live in Southern California, but we had enough people in the pipeline um, to make us feel comfortable with doing that. And then also we had closed like a $10,000 deal that day or $11,000 deal that day. And it was just like, you know, like signs and blessings and opportunities that just made us know that that was like the right decision. Um, And then from there, we made our like first six figures within a year after that. And um, we ended up getting like our own office in downtown San Diego, which was cool. And then, yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty awesome ride. We got a lot of clients. Um, We were speaking on stages um you know getting interviewed on podcasts and all that stuff and it was really cool but it wasn't all like unicorns and rainbows like. no of course like, you gotta put the <laughs> in, yeah you know, they, they say, like the, the the reward of hard work is more work exactly <laughs> um you know and you know growing a business and especially as creatives you feel like you want to have control over everything and we had to learn you know during our our process of like we need to outsource we need to delegate um like we don't want to be working on the business as much as we were we want to be working in it like i said we were striving and grinding working day and night creating doing all the the branding like designing the websites designing everything doing all the strategy calls and blah 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 and like we had to like learn how to find people to help us you know create these brands too so we have now we have like you know people that we work with to help build brands for our clients um so it's not all just us doing everything that's incredible. That's so awesome. Uh, and and I'm uh, I'm assuming that today. Well, let me ask you. I'm gonna jump ahead. I'm gonna go backwards to like art specifically. But like Perfect. today, like, are you and your husband like happy? Are you guys like totally stoked on where you guys have? What have you got to like? It sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, it would be crazy and ungrateful not to be happy. Um, you know where we got into today, and like I said, it hasn't been all rainbows and unicorns like literally two years of the business I wasn't in the business um and that was because like I got to a point where I got depressed and like I just remember waking up every day like just crying because I like hated like I said remember I said like I I loved painting I didn't want to do graph design but I made that sacrifice to create this company to create the freedom that we wanted which we had gotten um and but then it got to the point where I just kept putting myself and the things I wanted to do on the back burner and then I just got depressed and like I would wake up crying every day and just like crying about random things and I was just in a really dark place um and so I had to kind of make the decision like I think I should leave like step away from you know the end grind of striving grind um, and kind of had to put the weight on my husband's shoulders with that because it was like affecting our relationship and our marriage. And, you know, it, it was either like the business or our marriage and like my happiness. And like, it was just like, all right, if we don't do something now, like this is going to be really bad. Totally. Um, so I had to like do therapy. I had to just read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts, um, just all of that. And it took probably about like one to two years to fully feel like I got back to myself. And so I would say over the past year, um, I stepped back into Strive and Grind, and now I'm more involved in it. Um, my husband now also has like a coaching and a business coaching and consulting company and like a podcast, and I help him with a little bit of that stuff too. And then I'm stepping back full focus on my art now, because um, I kind of just been painting on and off because Strive and Grind takes up a lot of time and focus. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, having that period of depression was, was just hard to focus on anything at all. Um, so now I'm just like, I feel like I'm at a really good place. He feels like he's at a great place. We just moved to Houston and we just feel like it's a fresh new start. I just turned 30. So I feel like this is a new chapter. Like, you know, we want to eventually start, have a family. We want to invest in real estate. We want to like, you know, do all the things even better, bigger and better. So yeah, definitely, definitely happy and proud of where we are today. That's amazing. Yeah, I know you should be. I mean, that's that you, you guys have, have both gone through stuff that, that most people probably haven't. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you <laughs> tested both time and your relationship uh, and your personal strengths. I mean, that's, that's really, really challenging. And I'm happy that, hey, listen, new, new decade of life, you know, new chapter and giddy up and create some beautiful things, right? And yeah. so you talked about, you know, your love of art and 
pretty much that's how we, we met in a clubhouse room that was around art, right? And so people are talking and, um, you know, you have these beautiful works behind you and like, do you, what is, what's your goal with art? Is it more, is it more of a personal thing because you personally love it? Or is it like, I'm trying and have goals to sell or do you do commissions? Like talk about how that influences your life and what your strategy is with it. Yeah. So definitely selling, definitely want it to make this like a career in focus for me. Um, I'm planning on doing, well, I want to do more murals. Like I've done murals, but I want it to be more of a consistent, on a consistent basis. I do commissions. Um, and you know, like I really want people to know me for my artwork. I want people to know me as an artist and as a muralist. And um, I really want to have my work in, it's not really like galleries or anything. Like I'm, I feel like I'm more driven towards like the independent route where like I create a fan base and a following and collector base, you know, of people, even if it's a small group and like I can drop, you know, exclusive limited releases of things of originals or prints. And, you know, I can do licensing deals with big companies and create products um, and designs for big companies. Um, and so it's kind of like where I kind of see it going and eventually having like my own like pop-up, you know, uh, shows like touring around, like I want to do that. Um, even eventually having my own storefront where it's like storefront and then like gallery space possibly for people to rent out and then having my studio there like I've always wanted to have something like that so yeah there's lots of big things that like I want but I just know since I've been so inconsistent with it I just gotta like stay focused be consistent create the work um, connect with people you know and just keep striving and grinding essentially kind of like full circle um, and just focus on that so what percentage of time do you like like in the work week right like is it, mm -hmm. is it like three days like is it 30 percent of your time is it a couple hours a day like or is it whenever you're feeling it um that's a good question it's kind of like an all the above answer but I try to paint at least at least I try to paint every day you know oh, wow. <laughs> even if it's like 30 minutes I like to at least a minimum of 30 minutes or to an hour it's hard for me like I hate knowing like oh like just 10 minutes of painting like I'm just wait, like having to pour the paint out and like I feel like I'm wasting paint you know the whole process so I like to paint try to paint every day I don't always do that but I try to do that especially now since I literally just moved to Houston and we just started getting back into the the swing of things and the grind and just getting settled literally a week ago so I'm working on a piece right now that um, I'm really excited to see where it how it turns out and so I would say a little bit of all the above but um, I'm really trying to discipline myself to paint at least once a day it doesn't really matter the time what matters is that I'm doing it <laughs> that's yeah I know definitely that consistency is is really key and uh you do it out within your new home right like you don't have a yes studio. yeah it's uh our like dining room is like my <laughs> studio space <laughs> there's pros and cons to that right the pro is like you could just walk over and be like I'm putting in my 30 minutes versus yes. like having to drive somewhere or walk somewhere or do something else like externally um mm -hmm. definitely a pro to that the, the downside is it's your dining room table or your dining room <laughs> yeah I mean we don't have like a dining room table so it's just like it's like my studio you know mm -hmm. um so it, it works out I mean eventually I would like to have like a separate studio or loft space you know that'll be something down the road but I don't mind having like an intimate space in my home. Nice. Um, talk about a little bit about your podcast and how long have you been doing it? What it's like goals are. It sounds probably similar to what I'm trying to do to some degree, but um, you know, maybe just deep dive, you know, a little bit about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my podcast is called the Gangstar Creative Podcast. And basically it blossomed. Um, it was like an idea I had for a really long time. Like uh, I've had it in the back, on the back burner for four years and it wasn't till COVID like quarantine. That I was like, all right, I'm going to make this shit happen. <laughs> like this is, this has to happen. I don't have any excuse. And I think that worked out for a lot of people uh, as far as like, you know, <laughs> having ideas come to fruition during the time where we all were locked in our houses. Yeah. Um, so I basically had this idea because um, I know that a lot of creatives struggle with the business side of their business. And there's so many ways to be a successful creative because there's so many different industries. There's also just so many ways to be independent now. There's not like how it used to be like the traditional way of like galleries and agents and all of that stuff. Like you can still do that, but there's social media now and there's all these different things. 
Um, and so I know that I have a lot of business acumen from my experience in the, the business space with the branding company and even in the online business space, um, just having the network that I've had and the experiences that I've had with the masterminds and conferences that I've been to. And I remember going to a, um, it was like an art showcase in LA and it was curated by like a female Instagram artist. And she like gathered all these Instagram, female Instagram artists and put them into the showcase in LA. So it was a pretty dope idea. And I was, uh, I went to it because a girl that I had followed for a while, a showcase there. And so me and my husband go there and we walk in and there's probably like, uh, maybe 20, 25 people showing, you know, and they have their little booth or whatever set up table set up. And as me and my husband are walking through this venue, either no one's at their booth or if they are at the booth, they're like sitting on the ground, like on their phone or they're at their booth. They don't say anything to us. And I'm just like, what? Like, I was getting like really livid and furious because I was like, this is why artists are like the starving artists and like they're not successful and why they're complaining about not making money and you know if you don't want it then why are you even here like i just had a, like i was just like enraged and i was just like there's only one person that spoke to us i didn't really care for her stuff but i appreciated her like walking through her booth and like her showing us her things i was like finally somebody that like cares Ooh. about you know the the business side of their their art and like trying to make it and so like it really made me so upset. Like I remember like tears were in my eyes because I was just like, this is the issue. Like, I, I really hate that this is a problem. And so I wanted to like annihilate the status quo of the starving artist. And that's kind of like why I created Gangstar Creative was to bring on guests, um, successful creatives from all different types of industries and not only share their journey, but like pull the curtain behind on their business and ask them like, the the ins and outs of their business like how much do you charge what is the most money you have made on like painting a mural because some people don't even know like it's possible to make more than five hundred dollars to paint a mural you know and it's just like things like that like just the exposure of what's possible and knowing like the uh technicalities and logistics behind how everyone kind of operates their business there wasn't really anything or there really isn't anything like that out there we can talk about our craft all day. We can hear about people's stories and journeys, but the questions always still pop up in our minds like, well, well, that's cool. But like, how did that happen? Or how did they get that job? How did they get that opportunity? How did they get that client? Like, what is that? How do you, how do you do that? And so I felt like it was important for me to just kind of step up and be a leader in that way. And uh, the podcast was kind of like my first step in doing that and bringing on um, successful creatives in different industries and interviewing them and having them really pull back the curtain on their businesses. So it's been, I launched it last April. So I guess it's almost been a year since I've had it and it's been going good pretty, uh, pretty far. And I've had some amazing guests. I feel really lucky and blessed to have the people that I've had on. So yeah, it's been pretty, a pretty cool journey. That sounds almost identical to why I did this. Um, really? in, in regards to the timing, I think it was April or May that I started this as well. It was like, again, it was, I've had this idea of like, why can't we have these honest, vulnerable conversations of the people who are like yeah. hustling and grinding on the day to day, whether they're working for themselves or working for a company and what it takes and like to share those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you're the 33rd episode. I've skipped a few weeks here and there just due to like burnout or other things. So yeah, it's not, it's not a perfectly consistent thing, but I'm super happy that even my second guest, uh, Atticus Radley, he's a photographer out of New York. And he's like, dude, if you get to 100 episodes, I'm buying you a nice bottle of champagne. And that was enough hey. for me to <laughs> Oh, snap. Well, you're like 30% there. So. That's it. Right? <laughs> so a couple more years. <laughs> yeah. Or if you just amp it up, maybe you find yourself Ooh. wanting to do more episodes. I don't know. For me, I feel you, though, because I do. I release podcasts or try to every week, usually right. on Mondays. Um, there were sometimes I do like solo episodes well, and then I might oh, do like okay. two a week. Um, so, but it's just like harder for me to, to do that and then edit yeah, it. I don't, I've only done two, I did a prelude when I launched it and then I, I after season three, I did like a, a one-on-one -on -one episode, but it was much shorter, but like maybe I can interject more of those, uh, when I have something really stirring on my mind, but um but yeah yeah no, you should totally do it <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't know I, I'm always like I don't like talking about myself or like I, I don't know I'd rather highlight somebody else 
you know? Um, no, but, I feel you. I feel the same way. Um, but you would be surprised like what people can learn from you. And I know you probably have a plethora of information. And my husband always gets on me too, because he has a podcast as well. And he's always like, you need to do more solo episodes. I'm like, yeah. I just like interviewing people and hearing people's stories. <laughs> he's like, no, people want to hear from you. I'm like, true. okay. <laughs> um, talk about um, some of your like, you, th- you, you hinted at like some of your goals of like opening a storefront and like some things like that. Like, how far in advance do you actually look when you start thinking about personal goals or financial goals or um, maybe you don't because even like COVID I think has slapped a lot of people's five-year plans in their face um, being like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Um, so like how, how do you set these goals for yourself, you know, you and your husband or just personally or like what are they? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I always like to dream big, you know, and kind of work from there. Um, We've found, you know, it's best to kind of work in 12 week, like runs like quarterly, um, because it's easier to focus on quarterly goals and getting things done and kind of focusing that as like, uh, it's just more like attainable. Um, And my husband's the one that really pushed that on to me because there's a book called the 12 week year. Okay. that's what it's called um and so it like focuses on that where it's like the 12 weeks is like look at that as your year because a lot of times we're like okay this year i want to do like these things and then like maybe one of them gets done but if you focus on like three to four things in like that one quarter like you can get you know that four times done in your year um and so that's kind of like how i look to do that but i know for me you know one of my big goals now that i've finally I mean, it kind of sucks as the first quarter was kind of like thrown away because it was just like the move. Yeah. And so now I'm just kind of getting back into the swing of things, but I really want to do more um, like mural outreach and kind of get more murals booked. Like I, I want to get at least like, I want to get two murals booked a month, but we'll see how that goes. That's um, really but, big. Yeah, I know. I mean, at least one, but I'd love to get two. Um, I think it's possible. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, so... Can you share some like, uh, I don't think I've had a, I've had artists on, I don't think I've had a muralist on, but like talk about that process, right? Like, what does that look like? How do you, what is that you mentioned outreach? Like, are you just DMing mm-hmm. people? Hey, let me do a mural on your building. Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, so it's kind of the same for even just painting. Cause before I was like wanting to do murals and doing murals, I still did outreach. Um, and that's basically just like cold emailing, cold DMs. Um, and I would, I reach out to people. Uh, I just either find people via like hashtags, specific hashtags of like industries or businesses that I want to work with or types of influencers I want to work with. Um, and Austin, I have like a message typed out in like a flow of like how I navigate that conversation. And then I, I send them that, um, I, there was like a point where I was like really trying to push live painting because sometimes I do live painting at events. And so I actually had gotten this like whole list of like event planners and I would like send out you know a ton of cold emails outreach to all these event planner business owners to see if they would be interested or had clients that wanted you know um live painting at their events so that's basically uh like a big key of trying to get my name out there in the beginning you know until it comes like people just come to me that's the goal and so even like in my podcast like i've interviewed a lot of painters and artists and a lot of them they get their work from people coming to them but in the beginning it was more just like being consistent and doing the work which i which i haven't you know and so for me i'm like okay i just need to be consistent do the work and then people are going to eventually come to me but i also have to hustle my ass off and put my name out there and like let people know that this is what I do and this is what I can do. Um, and so that's basically how I've been able to get work is just doing outreach. But a lot of it also has been word of mouth, um, just people knowing that I do paint and I do do portraiture type of artwork and colorful um, artworks. And then they'll reach out to me, their DM or email, and then kind of just go from there. So that's kind of like how it's been. Mostly. And when you were doing that, uh, or maybe you still do a little bit of it, like, are you successful or like talk about like what what is the what's the success rate of somebody even responding (laughs) oh yeah i mean most of the time they don't respond i don't i don't know what the average is when i was doing it really hardcore i had like a spreadsheet which i need to redo again um and i'd probably get the magic's in the follow-up so usually i would get 
more of a response after like the second or third follow-up, you know, and I'd rather get a response saying no than no response at all, you know, or like, even if it's just like later, like, oh, not right now, but later. And so then I'd make a note like, okay, well, when's later, like March, you know, a couple months from now and they'll be like, yes or no. So then I make sure that I mark my calendar to follow up with so-and-so, you know, in two months or whatever. So, I mean, the success rate isn't like, 100%, you know, but that's just like any business, Um, you get 10 no's and maybe one of, or one turns into a yes. And that yes could be, you know, a really big commission or a big mural or a sale or anything, a connection or referral. Um, So it's just like, the more you put, you do that, the more that will come to you. Mm -hmm. And then I also just kind of believe the power of like momentum. So as you like start doing stuff, you'll start seeing things come to you. Um, and so I just remember like when I was really doing that a lot, I would get more opportunities started to come to me. So it's just kind of like, once you get in that flow and you keep that momentum going and that consistency going, then opportunities start to just start coming to you. Totally. Um, if you, if you had one thing to tell anybody as like a piece of advice or, you know, some a motivational, I mean, you talked about public speaking and, and you, you are, you, you speak super, super well, and you're able to like, oh, thanks. You know, gather your thoughts really coherently. Like what, what's like one piece of advice that you, you find yourself consistently giving of recent time or, you know, questions, repeated questions that you're getting from, from audiences and, you know, how are you educating whether that's youth or other people who have been struggling or anything like that? Oh, that's a good question. And I always find this hard because there's just so many like things that I've learned over the years. Um, but the thing that I always end up coming back to is just consistency with anything. I always just tell people that are new or that are struggling, like it all just comes down to consistency. Cause even when we were doing strive and grind on the lifestyle brand, before it was a branding company, like we had a YouTube channel. We used to vlog, do daily vlogs uh, or weekly vlogs, not daily. We weren't that ambitious, but like, but we were never consistent. And I can only imagine, and this was like in 2000, like, 13, 14, when like, you know, vine, viners were popping up and like, that's when like the influencer, influencer age was really starting to like actually become something. And so I can only imagine like, if we actually like stuck to that, like where, like what that could have led to, you know, and then even just like, you know, and, and anything in our businesses, like if you're not consistent, nothing's going to happen and no one's going to know you for doing that thing or doing that one thing really well. And so I think it's like just comes down to that consistency and that momentum and also just like you have to trust the process because I think with social media there's so much out there that can make you feel insecure or doubt yourself where it's just like oh I'm not where I want to be or like damn this person got this like dope ass Lamborghini in this house like you know like those really crazy marketers or just like man that, that person got a solo show or like they got this brand deal and it's like here I am with not that, but I'm doing something or you're like, you know, hustling day in, day out. You don't feel like you're not getting it. And it's just like, things don't happen overnight and people on social media only show you what they want to show you. Um, and typically it's the end result, you know? Um, and so you have to just kind of remind yourself, like they, you know, had to work and hustle and they are having days that you're having just like you, the day you're having right now. And that's okay. And that's just part of the process. Things don't happen overnight. Even for me, which driving around, like, it wasn't the, the successful branding company it is today. It started out as like, you know, what I shared, just this lifestyle brand with all these things with a, a clothing brand that wasn't making any money, like, you know? And so I think it's just like, you have to trust the process and be willing to kind of make those sacrifices in the beginning to get it to where it needs to be and just kind of do the damn work and just trust that things are going to happen because no one's going to believe in you more than yourself. Yeah. Um, and no one's going to make it happen other than you. So that's, that's so, so true and, and really powerful. I remember like early February, again, February is a tough, a tough month in general. Like I was doing like eight or nine different things and juggling all these things all within each week. And, uh, and then on top of that, like end of January is when I like joined clubhouse or whatever, like middle of January. And, and I was trying to listen to consume everything, insert myself and <laughs> all these conversations and like then it was distracting and I wasn't able to work on all these things and like 
it was causing me such anxiety. And then I was hearing all these popular success stories and I'm like, why isn't it happening to me? I'm doing all these things. Yes. I see what you're talking about, right? And then, and then you enter the game of NFTs and all this other crap. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's overload. It's, it is. I'm like trying to get caught up. Such an information society where it's like, it's, it's, it's so hard to focus and be really good and consistent, as you say when we're so distracted by everyone else's crap, where it's so important to just step back, realize what's most important for you and impactful for you. Even like what I love is I reached out to you, you know, over a month ago and you're like, man, I can't do this right now. Like I'm moving. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. like being able to say no is such a good place, like for self-aware, like, and like, doing being able to do that and understand like i didn't do it clubhouse for like a week i was like okay it's too much i'm it's taken over your life i was off of it for like two to three weeks because of the move and it was just like oh this is just so much yeah you said that like it's it's really great but like when it starts doing the other side of the spectrum where it's consuming too much of your time and taking away it's like we got to take a step back yeah and then even like for me something that kind of helps me when i'm in those sort of like funks um this doesn't work obviously if someone's younger than you but i always look at the people that like are where i want to be or like are that you know has this awesome post that they just posted and then i look at how old they are and then i think about okay well i'm 30 they're like 33 so what were they doing at 30 and they were like just doing this and then that actually like brings a calm to me makes me feel a lot better because i'm like like they're basically where I was, where I am right now. And like, that could be me in three years. So like, it's just, it's like, okay. So that's something also to think about, like when you see somebody where you want to be and you, it's kind of like making you feel insecure, like defeated. It's like, well, also think about like how long they've been doing this or like how old they are and like everybody's journey is so different. Um, And so that always kind of like helps me kind of navigate through that. Cause I'm just like, oh, like, well, when they were like my age, they weren't even doing this yet. So I still like, I I can still do this type of thing. So. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's, that's great insight. I think I'm going to try to use that technique. You should. Yeah. Cause even when I interview people, like, you know, a lot of, most of the time they're older. I even interviewed somebody. um, She was like, she didn't become like a successful like artist until she was in her fifties. And that was like really inspiring. Um, And I'm just like, and she likes killing it now. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Like when she was my age, she was still like doing this other business, you know? So who knows like what your future is going to hold for you. And it's kind of just reminding like, this is your own path and your own journey. You're going to get to where you want to be as long as you do the work and you're consistent. I think that's, that's perfect. I'll probably clip that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We've been chatting for almost an hour right now. Um, I can't thank you enough for your time. Uh, where can people find you like to follow along your journey? Obviously, you still have another few lifetimes ahead of you uh, and a lot more to ambition and, and goals to hit. So where can people, you know, follow along? Yeah, so you guys can follow me on Instagram. It's at Devonna Simpson, my first and last name, pretty much any platform. It's just my first and last name. Um, if you want to check out my artwork, you can see it on my social media or artbydevonna.com. Um, and then my podcast is Gangstar Creative Podcast. So you can find that on Apple, Google, Spotify, or it's also housed on DevonnaStimson.com. So super check cool. me out there. Well, thank you for joining us on An Untold Narrative, episode 33. Uh, I really thank you. This was awesome.